instant analysis edition of the In This Corner podcast with Brian Campbell as we break down Money in the Bank 2017, an event that saw Baron Corbin win the men's Money in the Bank match. He is now Mr. Money in the Bank. Jinder Mahal retain the WWE Heavyweight Championship over Randy Orton and controversy in the women's match. Carmella is Miss Money in the Bank. I am Nick Costos, joined alongside the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, and the man whose name is on the marquee, Brian Campbell. Midnight here on the East Coast as we break it down for you, dear listener. And guys, we have to begin, BC, Baron Corbin, your Mr. Money in the Bank. Yeah, you know, a lot of times we talk about this, right? This was a wildly up and down card. And the main event of any card, as long as you go home feeling good, can make up for all the prior sins. And we were almost here because of how good this match was. If you want to talk about specifically Baron Corbin winning it, I felt it brought down a bit of the energy. It brought down a bit of that electricity that was there. And at the peak of this match, when you had Shinsuke Nakamura, who was beaten down before the match start, make that big return, become House of Fire, go face-to-face with AJ Styles. I get, though, why you give it to Baron Corbin. And as much as I was popping like everybody else for knocking AJ back and forth, Corbin's really the right guy here because you want money in the bank in the briefcase to go to somebody who needs it, who can truly be elevated, who needs it to get them to a place they cannot get on their own. So in the end, this actually is the right choice, and I've got to give Baron Corbin credit because on Talking Smack, if you watched it right after the pay-per-view, he activated my feel spot briefly by getting right into Jinder Mahal's face, by slamming his briefcase down on the desk afterwards. That, to me, is an announcement of myself, of himself, along with Baron Corbin basically saying, hard work is a crutch for people with no talent. That's how you get that guy over. I know that a lot of people on the timeline felt their balloon was popped for how high they got with Nakamura and AJ. But I think in the end, really strong main event. Maybe they pulled down the electricity, but the right guy went over. You know, Nakamura and Styles were certainly, you know, we popped for that. It was fun to see that. But that main event showcased two superstars, Baron Corbin and Sami Zayn. And it did a great job showcasing both of them. You had Corbin attacking Nakamura early. You got the deep six off the ring apron on Ziggler. The choke slam with Styles on the ladder. And, you know, most of these Money in the Bank ladder matches end not with the guys, the two guys that are competing in the ring for the for the briefcase. It's the guy that comes in, pushes them off climbs up behind them, does something like that to win. So I like the way they built Baron Corbin himself up this entire match. And you kind of knew that Corbin might be the guy going over here after he loses, what, two or three straight matches to Sami Zayn. It's always that guy who ends up getting the big push. So I thought Corbin did a great job in the match. And just overall, I like the decision. You know what I think is really funny? How both of you schmucks talking about giving Baron Corbin credit. You know who deserves credit? Handsome Nick Costos, me, because I'm the only one that actually predicted that Baron Corbin would win money <laughs> in the bank earlier this week. I think you two clowns predicted Dolph Ziggler was going to win it. So full marks for me for correctly predicting Baron Corbin would be Mr. Money in the Bank. A couple notes on this match. Number one, it was phenomenal. And uh, for this viewer, at least, it saved what was a pretty bad and forgettable pay-per-view. No but doubt an excellent about it. main event. And it's a one-match card in BC. We were texting a little bit about it, and you you even said it off the top in that awesome rant that you had. When you have a main event like that, it can send you home happy, even if you had a lackluster two, two and a half hours before that. And I think that was the case um, with this match. Silver King, 100% right. The star of this match, wrestling-wise, 
with Sami Zayn. I mean, Sami Zayn was awesome. The sunset flip powerbomb off the ladder on Dolph Ziggler. Some of the other spots that he had, the the exploder, the reverse exploder suplex to Kevin Owens onto the ring apron. I mean, this was a really tremendous match and capped off, obviously, by the sensational Styles Nakamura showdown that the crowd absolutely popped for. That went on for a couple minutes. You had that awesome shot, and this is what WWE does so well. The shot of the two of them at the top of the ladder with no sight of the ring or the rogue showing how high up they were as they're trading punches, the crowd's into it. It was epic. It was electric. It really did hit me in the feel spot, BC. Just an <laughs> outstanding main event won by Baron Corbin. And I got to make one point. We we had this notion this year at WrestleMania 33 in Orlando that there was a point on that card where we were so high, the feel spots were so activated, that that card had you feeling you had to look around for a second, check your pulse and go, guys, are we on our way to a top three WrestleMania of all time? And I think there was a moment in this Money in the Bank ladder match, which I thought started a little bit slow, but I'll give them credit, really just built perfectly wasn't high-low, high-low. It just kept getting better. It kept escalating, and there was that point during the great Nakamura-AJ sequence where they're just trading really stiff MMA strikes. They're both at the top of the ladder where I had that feeling this went way farther than I thought it would. This might be the best Money in the Bank batch I ever had, and I think that's why you had a little bit of the balloon pop for some people who then, of course, you know, you have the arguably the top two stars in your company right now outside of Roman Reigns. At the top of this ladder, you can really build something huge. Guess what? You still can build something huge. They can still have a rivalry. You can still do big business. Neither of them need the case. I get why people were let down, but do you get? did you have that same feeling like we were on the verge if it escalated just a little bit further, if we had some kind of crazy finish other than little bit of a predictable finish with Corbin, even though he's the right guy, that this could have been extra special, A-plus across the board, instead of really a strong A-minus, which is what I gave it. I don't think you. I don't think it can be a plus because I think that this is the a minus that you need to eventually build to whatever the a plus is, right? So this was the tease of what we will eventually have a Styles Nakamura program at a big pay per view. And if you've seen any of their matches in New Japan that they played on Access TV recently, I would recommend you go out of your way to watch Styles versus Nakamura in Japan. They are great matches, and if that's a harbinger of things to come. I think that we all have reason to be really, really excited. So so they can't give you part two of the story without giving you part one first. So this was the ending that you had to have here. What are they going to do? Have either Styles or Nakamura win this decisively and one of them gets the briefcase? No, I mean, they have to build it up further. Neither of them really loses anything by not winning the match. So I personally had no issue with it. I'm going to give this match not an A-, minus, an A, not an A+, plus but a solid A for me. I know it's like a solid A. It was a great match. It was a phenomenal match. It saved the pay-per-view. Not an A+, plus, but but pretty damn close to it. it. It left me pretty happy. And Adam, before we throw it to you, I want to get one thing, because you and I talk a lot about the presentation of Shinsuke. I felt that this was his graduation. You saw multiple Kinshasas. You saw House of Fire. That was, If you want to talk about something like House of Fire, that was probably the most destructive run I've ever seen somebody deliver. A Kinshasa off the top rope. This sealed any issues I ever had with Shinsuke. He is there. He, the train is so far back on the tracks. I'm fired up. It's almost like he was the king of strong style. Believe that. Oh my God. Look <laughs> at this guy. They treated him like the artist in the beginning, a guy that can get attacked from behind and get just, you know, weakened by Baron Corbin on an attack like that. And then they treated him like the king of strong style in the ring, absolutely mauling these guys and running through all his opponents. What if they just called him that? I don't know. Yeah. I, I- it's really an awesome point that both of you made, and I'm kind of upset myself with not coming up with it on the spot. This is the Instant Analysis Edition in this corner with Brian Campbell as we break down Money in the Bank 2017. I mean, Nakamura, as he's going on that little run there, once he comes out, a couple things are noteworthy, right? Number one, 
the crowd reaction that he's getting, even with what I feel like has been a mishandling of his character to a large degree, is still unbelievable. I mean, he got a monster pop when his music played, and look, you know that moment's coming as a jaded wrestling fan. He gets attacked before the match. You know at some point he's going to come back out, but he still got the huge pop. And not only that, but his music stops playing once he gets into the <laughs> ring and starts hitting Baron Corbin, and the crowd continues singing. There was a solid, like, five to ten seconds, probably closer to eight seconds there, where the crowd was singing with no music as Nakamura is delivering the beat down to Baron Corbin. I mean, if that doesn't get you juiced up, I don't know what does. Check your pulse because that was awesome. And and just to go back to it, like we talk about markout moments, right, and how you look for a couple real genuine markout moments on a card. I swear to God, I'm marking out on my couch for the AJ Styles Nakamura stuff when they're at the top of the ladder. Like, I am marking. I even tweeted, I'm marking out. It was awesome. Like, when you get a moment like that, I think it really reminds you how great it is to be a fan of pro wrestling. I mean, just just superb stuff at the end of Money in the Bank with Nakamura and AJ Styles and eventually Baron Corbin. The Mark and me kept thinking, what if they keep singing his song and he takes out everyone and they're still singing and he climbs to the ladder and grabs the briefcase and they never stop? Like, that went through my head. And I was like, can you imagine what kind of moment that would be? And that's something that might happen in NXT. It's not going to happen on the WWE main roster. And no, that would have I mean, been the opportunity. The crowd loves AJ so much. But that would have been the opportunity to send the the the, the crowd home lathered, right? Like in, in performance enhancing juice, just dripping out of them. When we talk about the PEA, the performance enhancing audio here, you could have had people just spilling Mark all over themselves. All right. I mean, that would have been that, and that's where you, you sometimes get upset as a fan. It's like. You make the smart booking choice, WWE, and Corbin is the smart booking choice. You've cons- you've consistently built this guy up. But you can also just take the jug of, of Mark and just pour it over the fans once in a while, Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30 style, right? And let him just swim in that stuff. You know what I'm saying, Nick? Nick, you've had a lot of liquids poured all over you in your life. You know what I'm talking about here. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not sure that I do know what you're talking about to a large extent. But I, but no, but, but here's the problem with what you're saying, right? Like you talk about Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30. That was the slow build in the history of slow builds. Like, you look up slow build in the dictionary, there's a picture of Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30 with Randy Orton and Dave Bautista lying beside him. I mean, that's the slowest build of all time. Look, if this is part one of a grandiose story that ends up entertaining us for the better part of the next three to six months, I'm all for it here. But like I say, like, when you have a book, when you have a story, there are three parts, right? Part one, part two, and part three. This was not part three, so you're not going to get the the the, uh, the gallon of of what was it we called it, the Mark Juice dumped all over you? That's not going to happen just just yet, buddy. But we're on the way there. They're filling up the jug to pour it all over your head and drench you in Mark Juice. So I do think that is coming. So A- minus for Brian Campbell and A for me on the Money in the Bank match. Silver King, can we get a letter grade rating from you on the main event of the pay-per-view? Tough to argue with you guys. I'll go B-plus. I'm always the pessimist. All right, so Baron Corbin, Mr. Money in the Bank, and as BC said, he makes an appearance on Talking Smack afterwards and does a little stare down with Ginger Mahal, which is pretty cool, so we'll see what happens. We will cover what happens on SmackDown on the Wednesday edition of In This Corner with Brian Campbell as we review the week that was in professional wrestling. But guys, let's move on now to the WWE Heavyweight Championship match. Jinder Mahal, BC, retaining against Randy Orton. I think the best thing that I can say about this match was 
I did not hate it. I can say that for it. I didn't hate it. I don't know what else I can say, but I did not hate it. All right. Before we hit you at the end of it, I will give WWE credit like we always do when they deserve it. They deserve credit for how this match was built tonight. I'm not talking about the previous weeks. I'm talking about like the first five to ten minutes leading into that opening bell. There's a lot of talk in real combat sports, MMA and boxing, that the last ten minutes before that opening bell hits of a big, big big-time pay-per-view match is the most exciting in all of sport. And I'll agree with that. I've been lucky to be ringside at so many great boxing and UFC matches. When they're coming down the aisle, when when the crowd has got a fever pitch, it's incredible. It's, it's intoxicating. This, for pro wrestling, which you rarely get in the WWE, had that feeling, right? They set the stage with the St. Louis legends in the front row. Greg Gagne of the AWA, I popped huge for that. You know, all the way across the board, those entrances were long. And I think that's what a credit to there not being a lot of matches matches on this card, which is the second straight pay-per-view where you only had five or six actual announced matches on there. It gives you time to have these grand, grandior type things. I thought Randy Orton came out strong. I thought Jinder came out much stronger. By the time that opening bell rang, I was even lathered up in a way that I didn't think I could for this matchup. I was fired up. It felt like a big-time fight, a real thing. Credit to them for that. Credit to them for two superstars who are what they are in the ring, meaning there's not one out of the two who's going to be flipping all over the place. It's a certain style between these guys that you're going to get. It's going to be long. It's going to be deliberate. For the most part, I liked the way this match was executed. But in the end, they did lose me here. I know we're supposed to suspend our disbelief on certain things involving rules and who gets a title shot when they don't deserve it and all this stuff. But I'm sorry. Randy Orton beat down the Singh brothers for about five and a half minutes and referee Mike Chioda didn't count one time. That is a problem when you are using borderline countouts in other matches regularly all the time and you're using the countout as a stipulation. I was been the guy from the beginning that was saying, if you want to get Jinder Mahal over the right way as a heel, you need to have something despicable. You need to bring Randy's family or something that we can relate to as fans. Credit to them for doing that. Discredit to them, though, for presenting Cowboy Bob Orton as a weakling. Because, by the way, the last time I checked, the Bollywood Boys, Wait, the Singh Brothers. He's 80 years old, dude. The Singh brothers are about five feet tall even, okay, if they're lucky for that. They put their hands on him. Ric Flair cocked his fist. Cowboy Bob aced without the cast on the right arm this time. Kind of came up a little bit weak. I love Randy throwing these Singh brothers through the tables like anybody else. But to have him roll back in the ring and fall right into the finisher, completely predictable in the end. And there's one thing that they missed in executing it this way. I want the heat to go on Jinder Mahal. I don't want the heat to constantly go on these two guys, the Singh brothers, that he doesn't even care about, that he just, you know, swoops away and doesn't even care about. It's a little bit of mismanagement there, which is why I gave it a C-plus grade in the end when right before that finish they had me. And I, I was able to see through how much I love seeing the Singh brothers get bounced around to realize that they did kind of botch this finish and it was a theme for the whole night. You know, I, I feel like this is why wrestling's so great because it's very subjective. I had no issue with the extended beatdown outside of the ring, Orton to the Singh brothers. And not once did I think, hmm, why, why are they not going for the count out here? Probably because Mike Kyoto was watching. It was just as entertained by it as the rest of us were. Basically, BC, I think everybody except for you. I mean, I thought it was pretty well executed, right? Because I think if you're going to sit sit down and you're going to lay this match out, right? You basically just said it. Like, this is not Kenny Omega against Okada here. These are not two guys that are going to go out there and are going to bump like crazy for 45 to 60 minutes. That's not what you're going to get. So if you're going to book an entertaining title match, you have to have 
a little bit of that fluff in there, right? And you certainly had that fluff. And look, I want to address what you said at the beginning. That was very cool, introducing the legends, right? Baron Von Raschke and Greg Gagne and Sergeant Slaughter and Ric Flair and, and Mr. Perfect's dad, Curtis Axel's grandfather, Larry the Axe. That was very cool. And I thought the match itself was actually really not bad. And then once you involved Cowboy Bob Orton with the Singh brothers, which I thought was was pretty good, and then the Orton beat down the RKO through the table, the homage to what we saw on last month's pay-per-view when Orton flipped one of the Singh brothers on his head and we thought he was dead. Slides back into the ring, takes the finisher, Jinder Mahal wins. I had absolutely, honestly, no issue with how it was booked, no issue with how it was executed. The problem is is that neither guy is going to confuse anyone with Shawn Michaels. I'm going to give it a B-. minus. Yeah, I think a little bit more than the C-plus that you did. Because I think that it lived up to expectations for me and maybe even exceeded them. I was not expecting Savage Steamboat in this match. All right, I want both of you to address my one specific point that hurt me the most here is there's no heat on Jinder from this. The heat is on the two Singh brothers. There's not enough connection between Jinder and the Singh brothers right now. He's shown you he doesn't care about them. So when they're the ones getting all the heat, Jinder's just standing there with the title. Look, it's 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 not the dots are not complete. Here's where you're right. It should have been Jinder going up to Cowboy Bob, Cowboy Bob Orton and Ric Flair and all the legends. What should have happened is when he was working on Randy's leg, he decides to, you know, celebrate and get in their faces. Look what I'm doing to your son, so on and so forth. And then you get the heat on him. The problem was this with this whole match. And I, I don't want to repeat everything you said, so I'm going to try to put it a little different. I knew the finish of this match two weeks ago. I knew it last week and I knew it tonight. I knew exactly how it was going to end. And so did WWE, because when Jinder won the title, it's basically exactly how he won the title, repeated again. So they got to do something more creative. And if you want us to believe in Jinder as the WWE champion and a legitimate champion, I'm not saying he has to go over clean every time, but you got to give him other ways that they outsmart people to win these matches. You can't have this guy not be good in the ring, not be good on the mic. And yeah, he was actually better in the ring tonight than he had been recently, but not good in the ring, not good on the mic and never winning a match on his own. It can't happen. So you have to put heat on him, like you said, and you have to give him clean wins. This match was a C minus, maybe. It wasn't a D. It was a C minus. It was average. It was fine. But there could have been a lot more done. Well, I don't think you guys have to worry because I think Jinder will probably job to Cena at SummerSlam, and that will probably be the end of him. BC, you got another note on this? Yeah, one on more this thing. Match? They did put a bow on it at the end. I don't know if everybody caught Talking Smack after the pay-per-view. Jinder was alone, and he was fantastic opposite Booker T. He talked a lot yep. about how he yep. should be an inspiration for the American people. He should be their role model. Why do they disrespect me? And then when he was asked essentially why, he says, jealousy, intolerance. I've said it before. The only reason they boo me is because of the color of my skin. I stick to that. End quote. WWE. That is going in the right direction. That's how you draw heat. Let's have xenophobe stuff. Let's have racist stuff. Let's be real here, right? That was a good direction. Jinder pulled that off well. Yeah, because all Americans hate Indian people, obviously, as I've said on this podcast before. (laughs) Or Indian people are very likable, and I happen to really love Indian food. I want to disagree quickly with one thing, Bri. as As far as the Singh brothers having the heat, do you know either one of their names, like what their first names are? You don't, right? No. I forgot. No one knows because they haven't said it because no one cares. There's no heat on the Singh brothers. The heat is obviously all on Jinder Mahal and Silver King. I think the reason why Jinder didn't go outside of the ring to confront Cowboy Bob Orton, maybe he felt like Rob Gronkowski would jump over the barricade like he did at WrestleMania. (laughs) And he would have to job. All right. Moving on now to the women's money in the bank match. And 
you know, the match itself was really damn good. And then a really controversial ending. James Ellsworth climbs to the top of the ladder, grabs the briefcase, tosses it down to Carmella. Carmella, Brian Campbell, Miss Money in the Bank. I have a feeling you'll have a lot to say about this one. Congrats, WWE. You played yourself, right? Like, good idea. <laughs> Bad execution. And look, the, the the main event, the men's match, was just shy of 30 minutes. It was a classic, right? Women's Money in the Bank match was only 13 minutes. You do understand coming in that it has to be shorter than the men's match, that it's going to kick off the card with excitement, that you can't get all of your big ladder spots out early and then reproduce them later in the night. It's the same problem WWE has at, like, an Elimination Chamber pay-per-view when you got three of the same style matches. But this match started building very well. To see the women involved in these multiple spot ladder spots where people are taking physical challenges. I mean, Charlotte doing the big spot with that reverse sort of corkscrew splash sheet outside the ring. Everything started to add up that we were on our way to a good match. And again, the problem is not... James Ellsworth getting the heat because he's a heat-seeking missile in this dull role where he's basically Kevin Federline. Like, that all works. The problem is this. Why is he the guy pulling it off the chain? And I know maybe they're going to use that on SmackDown Live on Saturday. Daniel Bryan's already tweeting in character about it, that he's coming back. He's angry at the way it pulled off. But you're waiting the whole time after Ellsworth pulls the briefcase and drops it into Carmella's hands and the referees are circling. You're waiting for Shane McMahon to come out or for the match to end. And I get they set up that. They set you up to be waiting and not sure if it's going to end. But the bigger problem is this. This match was history. This match was a long time coming. This match was supposed to be about what these women do in the ring as athletes and that they can take these big bumps and that they can do the same thing as men do. And then you have a man pulling it off of the chain at the top, and I did have a problem with that. I love Ellsworth cheating to help Carmella to win. I, I love, I thought the spot was going to be where he was going to put a, her over his shoulders, fireman carry style, and climb up the ladder and literally put her hand on it to unclip it. I could have booked it myself and been fired up. In the end, Ellsworth going up and unhook it does nothing for Carmella and it does nothing for the match. This is a breakthrough for women's wrestling, and you have a man. It's, this is the same thing as like Santino winning, winning a women's world, you know, women's battle royal for the title at WrestleMania. It's cheesy. It didn't capitalize on an opportunity here for a lot of cynical men fan, fans to come out of here going, "Wow, those women delivered." Instead, you're like, "Wow, that finish kind of stunk." I, I want to even take this a step further. These women deserved better than the ending of this match. And I know what, what people are going to say. The people that, that try and cape up to defend this are going to say, well, they did it on purpose because now James Ellsworth and Carmella are going to get a ton of heat. I understand that. It was still the wrong decision because, like you said, this was a historic match and they laid it all out there. These women worked their collective asses off and had a really good match that the crowd was really into, and they blew it with that ending. Like, this, I, I, I don't care what their goal was. If the goal was to put heat on Ellsworth, and the goal was to put heat on Carmella, this match deserved a clean finish. These women deserved better than that ending. I don't care what they're trying to do. This was poorly executed in my mind and ruined what was a fantastic match before the shenanigans at the end. All right, James don't Ellsworth, say the word fantastic. Who, who we happen to like. Pretty good would match, just, right? Not fantastic, but I. But your point well taken. What you just said is correct. The match had to end with a woman putting her hands on the briefcase. Otherwise, it's not a women's ladder match. I mean, that is the point. WWE did two two good things in the whole match. One was the entrance video, the not the, the introductory video where they built it up in this historic moment. Here was the bad part of that: they didn't put China in there. Exactly. Then they put a great match together 
10 minutes of amazing wrestling. You wanted five to six to seven more to see that finish. And then they ruined it with the end. It's I want to go a little kayfabe here. Okay. So this is a SmackDown live pay-per-view. The commissioner and the GM are tweeting about a terrible decision or a terrible thing that happened at the pay-per-view. Are they not there? They're going to tweet about it, but they're not actually going to do anything while they're at the show. WWE just consistently tells its audience that they're idiots. And this is another example of that. The match, as you said, Brian, as you said, Nick, it was supposed to be about the women. And they just failed to deliver something that they had. They had our good graces. They said, we're going to put this together. Everyone marked out. Thank God you're finally doing it. You did the hell in the cell. Now you're doing the women's money in the bank. They turned a match that was going to be a B, maybe a B plus, depending on the actual finish. And they turned it into a D because they treat us like idiots and they treat the women like they're second class wrestlers. They just proved it again. It was great. I thought, well, well, well said by, by pretty much everybody here. Silver King. Um, that may have been your best rant to everybody. That was, that was yeah, pretty that good. Was well Practicing. Said. I mean, that was a, uh, that was good. I have I have one other note for you guys, and then we want to move on quickly to the rest of the card. Um, tonight proved it for me yet again, and I kind of want to bang on myself a little bit here because which is not the first time really that, that you would consider that, doing no, that. No, thing, it's right? not, it's actually won't even be the first time in, in this hour here, twelve o'clock on on the East Coast, depending on when we end this podcast. But you know, I, I was the conductor of the Alexa Bliss hype train, and I still love me some Alexa Bliss. I think we all need to slow our rolls a little bit and recognize here, and I'm going to mark out a little bit. Charlotte's still the queen of WWE and yes. she's still far and away the best female performer. And I think the last couple of weeks have just solidified that. I think we may have gotten a little too ahead of ourselves with the Alexa bliss hype. I think Charlotte's still clearly the female star of the company. Do you guys Agreed. have anything on that? If not, we can move on to the rest of this card. What do we think here? Moving I just on? think uh, unforgivable, by the way, that what, like Silver King said, that China was not in that. You can play, you can show her face for one second, all right? And then everybody tweeted at me going, hey, but they showed Jimmy Snuka in another one. Well, that, what, are we going to compare sins here? I mean, come on, you know, put her in the video here. She deserves it. I'm sick of them just erasing that from history. This is not a Chris Benoit situation. I know we're allowed, not allowed to say that name. Guess what? On this podcast, we're allowed to say that name. Chris Benoit, all right, moving on. Nick, you're right. Um, very simply, Charlotte's the best in the company in terms of the women. We did jump aboard that high train too much. Here's the simple thing. Charlotte is so much better in the ring than Alexa Bliss. Like, Alexa's good. She's fine. She's learning. She's getting better. And she's pretty good on the mic. She's better than Charlotte on the mic. But Charlotte is so good in the ring, and we saw it again tonight. Yeah, if Alexa Bliss, let's say, is a four and a half on the mic, Charlotte's probably a three and a half, and Charlotte's a five in the ring, and Alexa Bliss is like a two and a half. So I think right. the edge would definitely go to Charlotte. And one, just put a bow on this whole thing. Um, Bri, when you were talking about the spot with maybe Ellsworth putting Carmella on his shoulders to carry up, remember, that was the finish, I believe. WrestleMania 17, tables, ladders, and chairs. Rhino putting either Edge or Christian on his back to put Great them up memory. the ladder and help them then win that match at WrestleMania 17, the final of their, uh, their epic trilogy of TLC matches. So a couple more matches for us to hit on this card. Let's move to the tag team championship match. BC, the Usos retaining against the new day as they take their belts and run to the back, uh, count out victory for the new day. And I'm sure that we will get part two between these two teams at some point in the not so distant future. Look, for Chapter 1, this was very good. They are who we thought they were. We, we thought they were going to give us a really good match. This one, like I said, built over time, really started to pick up the energy. And then when you went in that sequence of near falls, one after another, you had the big spot with Big E spearing one of the Usos through the ring ropes, almost a suicide dive type situation onto the floor. One big spot after another, one near fall after another. Loved it. 
Ending, though, is going to make some people mad, not to me, because here's what the Usos did by accepting that countout willingly. They said, this team's really hard to beat, and we're heels, so we're going to accept this countout loss and live to, to, to defend our belts for another day. It's old school. Everything about it I loved. Enjoyed it. One really quick thing on it. I agreed with everything you said. They're really strong, badass heels. I don't want to see them be weak and lose by a countout victory. They could have taken a chair and done a purposeful DQ or something like that. They could have done something that continues to put heat on them as strong, mean, powerful guys. They didn't have to take the weak way out, which is how I felt this ended. And it really wasn't part of their character. It didn't make sense. Um, but a great match proved why they were the two best tag teams in WWE. Really good tag match. I think this showed you Kofi Kingston's all the way back from his injury. I thought he was the individual star of the match. I can't wait for New Day Usos Part 2. I think they left me wanting more, and I think that's a win. Uh, Mike Bennett of TNA and Ring of Honor fame debuts with his— Are they married in real life? Oh, or yeah. Whatever. They're married, boyfriend, girlfriend. Either oh, way, married. he's winning outside of the ring. It remains to be seen if he's going to be winning inside of the ring, but <laughs> it's Mike Bennett and Maria Kanellis. Um, and he now has now taken her name as JBL historic, hysterically noted. He took her last name, Mike and Maria Canales, BC. You got anything quick for us on that, uh, this new gimmick for these two of the, of the lovers here with the exaggerated over the top, um, hysterical, like air supply esque theme music. I I thought it was very funny. (laughs) Popped for the theme music pop to see him in here. Look, when they were on top in 2016, everyone talks about what the Hardys did in TNA. TNA had a, had a really strong 2016. A big part of that was Mike and Maria on top of their respective divisions. Maria's still real hot, still can bring it on the microphone. Mike, maybe not at the level as a worker to some of these top, top end WWE guys, but I really like him in the ring. I like his look. I like his gimmick. I like him doing something different in this specific, gimmick being the husband taking on the on the last name and seeing where they can go with this tongue-in-cheek thing the the theme song works I, I'm, I'm gonna give them a chance I'm re- really open to seeing what they do with this you can usually tell pretty quick if a gimmick's gonna work this gimmick's gonna work I just think that it, it's so over the top with like the hearts on the uh on the entrance ramp that it's and the music that I think it's probably gonna end up being fairly funny now for Bry for our listeners who are not big TNA fans myself included so I have not seen a lot of Mike Bennett here so who would you say he compares to as far as in-ring work does as we look forward to his in-ring debut in WWE is there someone on the current roster that you could compare him to you know, he's certainly not on the level of, like like I said, like the Styles and Rollins level. There's no question about that. He's not there. He's a solid worker across the board, though. You know, he's maybe, he. you know, I, I don't know if there's a if there's one comparison. Though. Like, he's not as slick in the ring as a Ziggler. He's not as athletic as a Sami Zayn. But he's a solid, strong worker. He's held the belt, you know, in a couple of top organizations outside of WWE. He's pretty much averagely solid across the board. That's the best I'll say. All right, so I don't know how excited I am to see him debut now. <laughs> that was sort of a lukewarm endorsement, but but not a bad start for the for the Mike and Maria Canellas thing. And I just want to say this quickly here, and if you guys have anything to add, great. If not, we'll move on. A couple minutes left here. I think that JBL has done a really, really good job on commentary recently. A couple really good zingers. I actually like the SmackDown broadcast team. Tom Phillips has maybe the best announcer voice. Like, if you do an imitation of an announcer, like, oh, like we're here talking sports, WWE, that's Tom Phillips. And I say that in a complimentary way. Like, I think the guy's pretty good. I actually like Byron Saxton and the Rollies in, too. You guys have any quick thoughts on the SmackDown broadcast team here before we close with our final thoughts. I think JBL's been fine overall, but the last two pay-per-views, so I think Backlash and this, 
he has been on absolute fire with one-liners. So I totally agree. I had the same thought tonight. And shout out to him for for finally making the reference point on Cowboy Bob Orton Sr. Don't throw Jinder on near his right arm. You know, he spent a full decade in a cast or whatever the, the reference was. It was perfect. It was the timing was great. All right. So we've we've hit every match here with the exception of the Naomi Lana match, which I will sort of summarize very briefly here. Lana, not bad in this match. I think she exceeded all of our expectations. If anyone disagrees, please oh, don't speak for me. Do not, not speak for me, Nick. How, first of all, how dare you speak for me on this? This match was an <laughs> absolute train wreck. A D plus no, I gave it. Stop okay. It. Look, it was not Lana looked, looked beautiful, right? That was a great part of this match. That was the only good part of this match. She didn't. She doesn't have the body muscle-wise to make you believe that she can compete on this level. And what did she do? She came in there against the champion of this brand and forced the champion to sell for about, you know, seven strong minutes. Guys, unless she's completely cheating by flicking Naomi in the eye and completely being a heel in that regard, this was an epic fail. It was not believable. I felt bad for Naomi having to bump this much. This match was only partially saved by Carmella and James Ellsworth kind of predictably coming in, almost cashing in at the end. In the end, they kind of shook their head and didn't do it. The epic fail here, guys. Lana, you're not a wrestler. I'm sorry. It's going to take a while. They should have set her up with some squash matches to really start to put us over to believe this, to send her right into a title match, and to give her that much offense? Fail across the board. Somebody talk me down. King, Silver King, bring me down from this. You can't. I don't want to come back down from this cloud. It's taken me all this time, bro, to find out what I need. You know what I'm saying? I'm kind of in the middle because if you threw Lana into like when WWE still had divas, so like 03, 04, 05, she's fine. Like you would never question whether she should be in the ring. But the quality of wrestling now, especially when you go with Naomi, Charlotte, the match we saw, the Money in the Bank ladder match to open the show, she just doesn't belong. It doesn't work that way. I'm going to disagree with you in saying the match was terrible, terrible because like Nick, I was actually a little bit entertained. It was nice to see her get some offense. The problem was she shouldn't have been getting that offense against the women's champion who's supposed to be strong which proves your able, point you can't give it a good match when it when there's that much of a glaring thing in your face it should have been a shorter match that's really what it should have been she could have had a couple maneuvers she got whatever that sit down powerbomb spine buster whatever the heck that is um maybe get that in naomi kicked out of that pretty quick so she didn't sell it i like that but make the match four minutes naomi goes over strong lana didn't deserve to be there um, Bri, I would say this as to your, that rant you just went on, breathe in, breathe out, oh, breathe yeah. in, breathe out, breathe in. You're going crazy over nothing, buddy. It's paralysis by analysis. When you wake up tomorrow morning, you're not even going to remember that this match even happened. Bottom line is Lana acquitted herself nicely. The right person went over and they had the Carmella Ellsworth yeah. little mini run in there. So look. Was it a five-star match? No. Did it exceed expectations for me, who I thought it was going to be a negative star match? It did. So I personally had no issue there. The love and hate. Okay, yeah. Love and hate, you got it wrong. Nick, you tried to cut me right back down to size, right? It didn't work. Uh, you got a little too caught up in her in that outfit, and it was a, it was a stretch. She went for it. We I think we almost had to bleep out a couple of moments. You know, they, they took a chance on that. I think you got a little too caught up in it. Nothing against you on that because I almost did myself. But come on, bro. You know she's not physically imposing. You can't believe what you saw in the ring. You just can't. But I know you said it, Nick, but you yeah. don't mean it. Okay, you don't Let mean. Let me it. ask you something. Did did you mark out when Daniel Bryan made Dave Batista tap out in the main event of WrestleMania 30? You marked Ooh. out for that, hey, right? Touché. And I mean that, that this, this was just as believable. As yeah, uh, as I think comparable. that was so. Not comparable. Let's close. Let's close here. You're you're probably right there. I'm exaggerating. Closing here quickly now. Carmella as Miss Money in the Bank. We don't like universally. The three of us don't like how it went down. 
But now with Carmella holding the briefcase, before we see what happens on SmackDown on Tuesday, you are gut feeling to how this will turn out, Bri. Carmella has missed money in the bank with these storyline possibilities that they now have. So like Corbin, I do support this decision, right? I predicted Charlotte for a reason, for the history, all that. But really, Carmella was the best prediction. I think Silver King made that, and it was a strong one. You want the heat on Ellsworth. You, this is somebody who can benefit in Carmella from the case. Now, if the question is, where do they go from this? When does she cash it in? Look, I think Naomi's ready to lose the title at any single time, and it goes back to my original belief. They never made Naomi a believable champion to begin with. Ability-wise, yes. Not storyline-wise. She just fell right into the belt. Then she lost it. Then she won it back. Really, the SmackDown women's division recently, including the welcoming committee, it's been a train wreck. I'd like Carmella to cash in sooner than later. Maybe it's at that next Battleground pay-per-view July 23rd, I believe it is. I just think, look, let's switch things up on that brand. Eventually, it's going to end up in Charlotte's hands, maybe at SummerSlam. Let's mix things up and let James Ellsworth be a big part of my life, all right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, Car Carmella was the right move. I predicted it, like you said. It makes sense. Um, for me, she's a good transition from Naomi to Charlotte or Becky or wh whomever, however they decide to do it. I like it. I think she's going to do well with it. It gives her heat. Her being able to talk and brag and, and just be boisterous like that, it works. So it's the right fit, the right time. The others didn't need it. Hey, Nick, it, it, those it pants worked. worked. Yeah. The pants worked too, right, Nick? It was what? The money pants, they worked. Oh, they, well, I mean, she, she, she always looks great. Um, It works because of Ellsworth, because she has Ellsworth. And Ellsworth, like you said, is the heat-seeking missile. And look, two things can be true. Number one, Ellsworth and Carmella are going to get booed and they're going to get tons of heat. That is true, but it can also be true that it was the wrong decision to end the match the way that they did. So I think we can put the bow there on the women's money in the bank match. And now Baron Corbin, Mr. Money in the Bank. And I know I just said we're moving on, but real quick here. I don't think that um, that Carmella will cash in on Naomi. I think they'll do Charlotte beats Naomi. Carmella cashes in on Charlotte, and then you have a Charlotte-Carmella program, Charlotte chasing Carmella. Now we're really going to move on now to the, the final match. Baron Corbin now, Mr. Money in the Bank. Brian Campbell, you said that we don't mind the decision, and we love the match, but now moving forward here with the storyline and such here, do you think that this will turn out well in terms of the product that we get on TV? Yes, because I think this will be a situation where he keeps that case for a long time. And I've talked about it in the, in the previous weeks where I want to see somebody keep that briefcase for a long time. I want it to be in play. I want it to almost be like a title, which is what, what it does when it's in somebody's hands for a long time. I think Corbin still needs time. It's not going to do him any good to cash in anytime soon in my eyes. So you have that in play. He's getting so much better on the microphone. We talked about it on, on Talking yeah. Smack tonight. In the ring, he can go for a big guy, too. Let's not forget that. Yes, there's still something missing overall to get him from sort of B-plus player to the A-level. There is. Maybe this briefcase will be that thing, though. I just think storyline-wise, let's wait a while. Let's let him cash it in at a moment you don't expect later this fall after you almost forget about it for a while. I don't need. I don't think you need to come out with J and J security and give him that like Rollins had. But I'd like to see this briefcase do big things for him and WWE consider continue to take him serious. Nick, I'd like to see you wearing a Lone Wolf T-shirt one of these times. What do you think? I think that the T-shirt's pretty bad. The end of days T-shirt's bad too. If I were him, I would be complaining and asking for a new shirt, maybe one that says Norwood for his extreme male pattern baldness. Um, <laughs> I will go so far to say my take on Baron Corbin. I think that this is what's going to take him from a B plus to an A. I'm a big Baron Corbin fan. For me, the light, the, the, the proverbial switch was flipped for him 
on SmackDown Live, whenever that was, when he attacked Sami Zayn the night after the last pay-per-view, when he attacked him viciously throughout the arena, was beating him up in front of that that, that family with, with the kids that were watching him. It's like he's at peace with himself and his character, and something happened, the, the, the switch flipped in his head, and he gets it now. This guy is going to draw massive heat moving forward as the heel that comes out, beats the hell out of people, and tells you what he's going to do, and then he does it. So I really like this, and I think that this is going to turn out to be pretty good. Baron Corbin is Mr. Money in the Bank. Do you get Sid vibes from this guy at all? There's, there's a little Sid, bit of Sid I, I, I don't think that, because he's not as, I think the difference is Corbin's 6'6", and Sid was, what, seven feet tall? Yeah, and Sid, Sid was legitimately Hogan, yeah. had, like, Baron Corbin looks like a badass, but Sid Udy, Sid Vicious, Psycho Sid, Sid Justice, look like he could kill you at any moment, and I think Arn Anderson <laughs> could probably attest to that better than almost anybody. But I don't know if I see Sid with Baron Corbin. I'll have to think of a historical comparable for Mr. Money in the Bank yeah. now. Silver King here, your take on Baron Corbin. Sid was legitimately frightening, and he had that, like, blonde curly hair it was always wet and he, he was dripping from his face he he's actually scared you no one with male pattern baldness is going to scare me uh what i'll tell you is what i'll tell you is this i agree with everything you said you both of you said so i'm not going to really repeat it i did think it's funny though that you're saying baron corbin's a b plus guy and he needs us to get an a or or he has time now to get an a jinder mahal is the wwe champion he was a d player a d minus player and he's now holding the number one title in the company as the 50th champion of all time so baron i think baron- corbin's not indian I think Baron Corbin could be champ today and do a lot better job than Jinder Mahal is doing right now. Well, we'll see if Baron Corbin comes out speaking Punjabi at SmackDown Live. Maybe we'll see <laughs> if, if, if something happens in regards to that. So, Bri, in addition to what we had, Money in the Bank on Sunday night, a wild weekend in the world of combat sports. We had the UFC event in Singapore on Saturday morning, and obviously Andre Ward stopping Crusher Kovalev on Saturday night in boxing. Tell the people what you've got coming up this week besides for the Wednesday pro wrestling edition of In This Corner. What can they look forward to? There's going to be a lot going on in this corner this week. The boxing episode earlier this week, you'll you'll get that Ward-Kovalev 2 breakdown. You'll get the boxing half of the fallout of this announcement of the Conor McGregor-Floyd Mayweather match. We're looking to also get some sound from Monday's press conference in New York City with Mikey Garcia and Adrian Broner. Could be a lot of fireworks coming out of that. Beyond location there for you. MMA as well this week. Look, next weekend, Bellator New York. This is their big swing going up against the UFC, their pay-per-view from New York City. Some of the players we're going to have on this show in this corner from that Bellator card. Get ready. Get buckled in. A lot of combat to be talked about here, Nick. So we can't wait for it. All of that coming this week in this corner with Brian Campbell. So for the man himself, Brian Campbell and the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, I am Nick Costos. You have just listened to the Instance Analysis Edition, Money in the Bank 2017. Mr. Campbell, please take us to pasture with those two wonderful words. We out.